All right. Well, good morning. It's good to be here again with you all. Thank you, Peter, for the invitation. Uh, thank you, April, for coming. Uh, and my children are out there. So if the children's ministry is messed up after this, I don't uh, give them credit. Well, I'm going to be speaking today from Romans chapter 6, uh, verse 15 to 23, which we've heard. Uh, and so I'm going to share uh, about that today, and hopefully God will speak to us uh, about the significance of the text and how it will connect with us today. So as children, we grow up in, we have grown up rather in a democratically free nation uh, where our children have options to live a relatively free life. Uh, they're often asked what they want to be when they grow up. Uh, my daughter is currently in the pediatrician career path, uh, but teaching is in our family blood and she loves to teach her dolls at home, so I don't know what she's going to be when she grows up, but I do know that she has some choices in the matter. Uh, I don't know any children uh, that have their pictures with the first day of school sign that says, when I grow up, I want to be a slave. <laughs> Slavery is not a choice that one would choose to freely make. Yet when we look at this passage, we see how we have been enslaved to sin and are now called to be slaves to righteousness. Paul starts off in verse 14. He says, for Sin, well, in verse 14, before we get to 15, uh, he actually said, For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. I had to give you that passage so you could get the context of the passage we start with. And so in verse 15, he says, What then shall we say? Because we are not under law, but under grace, um, shall we sin? By no means. Uh, this word, by no means in Greek, is ume, which is a very emphatic no probably with a couple of colorful words around it. Like, <laughs> and so this section of Romans 6 begins with Paul reminding us that grace doesn't give us a license to sin freely, but rather we should have a motivating factor for living in obedience to Christ because the law is based in rules, but grace is based on a relationship. The law is based in programmatic parameters, but grace is based in a person. Jesus. And so we should be motivated by the desire to maintain intimacy in our relationship with God more than our ability to check all the boxes or follow all the rules. I mean, that's what the Pharisees were known for, rule followers, but heartbreakers, so to speak. Their lips spoke of God, but their hearts were far from Him. You know, I can buy my wife flowers on Valentine's Day because I'm supposed to, or I can buy her flowers out of a desire to show her that I love and appreciate her. Either way, she receives flowers, but the motive and the intent is the true gift. When we live a life of submission to Christ, we are actually honoring the gift of grace that he made available to us through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So Paul is saying, let's not cheapen the grace of God by willfully choosing to live a lifestyle of sin. Now, there are moments when we will slip into sin. I mean, that happens because we still live on the planet Earth in a fallen and broken world. But then there are opportunities where we schedule sin, where it's in our calendar, so to speak, intended to engage in sin. And that's what Paul is encouraging us not to do. In verse 16, he says, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, that's a past tense phrase, you have 
come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Then he goes on to say, I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Paul is saying, I've got some spiritual stuff to say, but because you're not spiritual enough, I'm going to break it down for you. Okay? And so in this section of the passage, Paul uses this illustration of slavery to explain the reality of life before salvation through Christ and life afterwards. The term, offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, can be challenging for some to understand because we live in, again, a free nation uh, where slavery is no longer the rule of the day and we would not willingly choose slavery. But the point he is making is that before we came into a relationship with God through Christ, we were slaves to sin. Sin said jump, and we said how high. Sin said run, and we said how fast. We were not able to resist living in sin because we were slaves to sin. But once we come into a relationship with God through Christ, we now have power through the Holy Spirit to resist sin and to walk in obedience to Christ. Now sin is more of a choice. The Holy Spirit will convict and challenge us when we consider sinning And through his power, we can resist, but as human beings, we have free will to override the conviction of the Holy Spirit and to choose to sin. And so Paul is encouraging us not to make that choice consistently because as we do that, that choice to resist the Holy Spirit and to walk in sin leads to death. Not only physical death, but a separation from God. We know that after accepting the sacrifice of Christ for our sins, we are eternally saved. But intimacy with God is impacted by our choice to sin. The more we honor God with our choices out of our love and obedience to him, the more intimate our relationship with him will be. If you looked at me and you saw a picture of my brother and my father, you would know that we are his children. Like if we were on the Murray Povich show, they would say, you are the father. Like we have the... The DNA in our nomenclature, we have the, the blood in our, in our bodies that shows that we are his. Sonship is not an issue, but intimacy or closeness has to do with how much time we spend together, uh, communicating with one another, honoring our relationship by not intentionally or consistently offending him. You know, if me and my dad talked on the phone two to three times a week, which we typically do, and I ended every one of our conversations by cursing him out, we probably wouldn't talk as much. Our relationship probably wouldn't be as close. If I stole money from him every time I visited him, he probably wouldn't have me over as much. I mean, the relationship is there, but the quality of the relationship is strained by sin. And the same is true when it comes to our relationship with God. We are saved by grace through faith. Never think you have to work to earn your salvation. We don't live in obedience to earn our salvation. We live in obedience because of our salvation. It is the joy of our salvation to walk in obedience to Christ who gave his life for us. So the passage goes on to conclude and it says, just as you have used, just as you used to rather offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did it reap you at the time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul challenges us 
uh, to live for Christ with the same effort we lived in sin. Paul says we were slaves to impurity and ever-increasing wickedness. What he's saying is we got creative and excessive in our sin. We were like enjoying sin on steroids, you know. Uh, and then holiness now, uh, now we should rather be creative and increasing in our righteousness, which leads to holiness. We should get creative in what it looks like to honor God with our mouths, to honor God with our lives, to honor God with our thoughts, to honor God with our actions. And this holiness here does not speak of perfectionism or something to be grasped as a badge of honor based on um, our ability to do everything right, because that leads to pride, and that's a sin, too. Pretty big one. Um, it is more related to being set apart for God's use. Timothy often talks about how there are these utensils in the house that are only used for special occasions. And in the same way, we are to live a life in right relationship with God so that we're more prepared to be used for his glory. I would rather be China for God than Chinette. Y'all know what Chinette is. It's like the, the, the stuff you use for Fourth of July, you know, not what you use for Thanksgiving. And uh, my Fourth of July stuff, Chinette, gets thrown in the trash pretty quickly. But my China is washed and cleaned and placed in a very special place to be used for special occasions. So Paul concludes with a statement that is the gospel in a nutshell, a passage that many of us have learned as we've understood the gospel he says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ our Lord. If we continue to live in sin, we experience physical death and spiritual death, um, current and eternal separation from God. But the gift that God makes available to us in Jesus is eternal life in heaven, but also full life here on earth. We don't have to wait until we get to heaven to experience the benefits of the gift of Christ. As we live in obedience to him, we experience this fullness of life here on earth. When we live in obedience to God, we experience peace in our hearts. We sleep good at night. We experience a wholeness in our relationships and a fulfillment in our purpose. We literally get to live life to the fullest. And people ask, why are you so joyful in the midst of pain? And it's because we understand that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Why do you live life so freely in the midst of all of the changing circumstances in our society? It's because we understand that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. How can you overcome the challenges with your spouse or with your children or with your parents or with your boss? Because we understand that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. When we are believers in Christ, we wake up every morning to the gift of eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. It is challenging for me as an African-American or an American of African descent to read this passage about being slaves to righteousness and not think about the history of slavery in our nation. How kings and queens, entrepreneurs and scientists, preachers and teachers were taken from their home to a country where they did not know the language, they didn't know the people, they didn't know the landscape. For over 400 years, they were the property of their slave owners who stole them and used them as free labor to establish their new home, uh, creating power, influence, and generational wealth that their descendants still benefit from today. And I share my experience of reading this passage through this lens to remind us that sin has a lasting impact. Though slavery was legal in America, it was not biblical. It did not honor God's original intent. 
And when we remember that we were all created in the image of God with the mandate to be fruitful, multiply, fulfill the earth, and subdue it, we realize that American slavery took that opportunity from generations of people, and it wasn't their choice. Even after Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863, slaves in Texas didn't actually get word of their freedom until another two and a half years later on June 19, 1865. They were free legally, but still living as slaves because no one shared the good news. Now, we have friends who are living as slaves to sin who need to know that Christ died for them that he was raised from the dead, giving him power over sin and death. He has made emancipation from sin possible. But we have to share the good news. Let us not live as slaves to sin when Christ has set us free, but let us also not allow those that we know to continue to live as slaves to sin without being told that they were free if they choose to accept the sacrifice of Christ for their sins because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I often think of the people that I know, how many of them would get to eternity and say, why didn't you tell me that Jesus died for my sins? Why didn't you tell me that I didn't have to be a slave to sin? Why didn't you tell me that I could be set free? Because you assumed I already knew. People in Texas had no idea that they were free until somebody shared the good news. So my challenge for us as believers is to be slaves to righteousness and not slaves to sin, but to also be heralds of this good news so that everybody knows that they can be saved. We can't control if they receive the good news, but we can control how many times we share it. So be ever increasingly creative in how you let people know that Christ died for them so that they could have eternal life. God, thank you so much for the gift of Jesus Christ to pay the penalty for our sins and to give us access to the eternal life that you make available in his death, burial, and resurrection. Um, I ask that we would be bearers of the good news and that we would live in the freedom that Christ has made available to us. That we would not sin so that grace would abound, but we would walk in security knowing that you have saved us by grace through faith. And we would respond in obedience because of our love for you. In Jesus' name, amen.